Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the mashed potatoes to my gravy. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, doing pretty good. I, I agree. That, we complement each other nicely. Was that racist to make you mashed potatoes since you're... Uh, no, it's only racist <laughs> if you make it so I don't have any potatoes at all. Okay, <laughs> good, good, good. And our very own turkey, that's right. It's Eric Ronovec. Eric, how you doing, buddy? I am the turkey. I'm doing fine. Uh, King... King of the meal, baby. King of the meal, ready to put you to sleep. We, we literally cannot start eating until you are done cooking. That's right. I'm the diva. Yes. Yeah, holding up the show. Speaking of cooking. Oof. <laughs> Oof. Oh, oh, no. I thought I was drinking water, but that was just bone hurting juice. Oh, yes. sorry. I couldn't help it. It was the the, the layup was, uh, was there. I had to just put it right in the hoop let's start waving with uh, i think i have hammer brain let's start let's start with the seahawks offense because i think let Russ cook has uh, been uh, a moldy hot dog inside of uh inside i agree the seahawks have been offensive <laughs> uh so let's let's go ahead and uh, get right into it i i found a tweet thread from uh, lord reeves he's uh the sharp football analysis fantasy guy uh, and he made a thread about the Seahawks offense that I think is very telling. And I have another stat too. So I'm just going to go over some stats and then I just want to get your guys' kind of your gut reaction to these stats. Okay. So far this season, Seattle has run 60 or more offensive plays in two games this season. The Texans are the second worst team in this stat with four and every other team in the league has done this at least five times. Seattle is averaging 17.8 fewer offensive games plays per game than their opponent. Houston is at 7.2 less per game in second worst place. So we are 10 worst than uh, than second here. And uh, Russell Wilson on third down this season, 13 for 37, 27% first down rate, dead last. Oh, that was the lowest completion percentage, by the way. 5.9 yards per attempt. That's 33rd among qualifying quarterbacks. Uh, quarterbacks and he has been sacked on 22 percent of his third down dropbacks the highest rate of in the league uh and then my uh my other stat is that the seahawks time of possession if it holds up for the rest of the season would be the lowest since they started since the website i used started tracking it in 2003 would be the lowest in nfl history by about 40 seconds a game Hmm. that seems bad Okay, so uh, let's start with Eric. Eric, so room no, to improve is what I'm hearing. <laughs> hearing, hearing about just the, uh, the historical ineptitude of Russell Wilson and the Seahawks offense. Uh, what, what do you, where do you think the, uh, the the problem here lies? Is it, is it Shane Waldron's play calling? Is it Russell Wilson? Is it Pete Carroll? Where, where did everything go wrong for this Seahawks offense this year? Oh wow, what a deep question. Okay, how do we analyze this? We'll start with the short passing game that is non-existent. And the the wheel routes, the mid-range wheel routes, the the drag routes, the dump-off passes, all these things Shane Waldron was supposed to bring to this team. Remember, we weren't supposed to be just 
you know, bomb this thing 40 yards like the beginning of last year. You're supposed to do all sorts of things. Shane Waldron was going to bring in, you know, awesome passing plays that would, uh, you know, make the defense go one way and we do this. A lot of misdirection, uh, you know, unpredictable. It would open up the run game. It would open up long plays. Where is that? Okay. Shane Waldron, he's not a rookie play caller. This guy is supposedly very good. That's why we brought him in. So I'm not isn't, he, be- isn't he a rookie play card though? Didn't McVeigh still call the plays in in Los Angeles? I believe was that's it? correct. I believe he called the plays, but he's still the offensive coordinator. And if you're going to bring him this far in, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> going to believe that he's sat there and not called any plays. You know what I mean? Like, I guess he's he's been doing this long enough. He's experienced enough to at least have a game plan and be able he was in, to he was involved it. he was involved in a very good offense for exactly sure. so i'm 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 going to give him a pass on this even though he may be so is zach taylor as a quote-unquote first year play caller um russell wilson not fully healed i don't care what he says uh i also know the history of russell wilson besides uh, the fact that he hangs onto the ball too much and doesn't really want to take responsibility for that I'm not willing to blame Russ for this. I would like to see more out of Russ if he were healthy, like, you know, earlier in the year, maybe. Um, but I, I can't I can't lay this at Russ's feet. I can always want more from him, but I can't blame him. So that means I got to blame Pete for this. And that's where I've kind of been going the last few weeks while watching games is, you know, why are we so bad? Well, forget about the offense for a second. Uh, we always talk about his always compete mentality and how it doesn't seem to apply to his coaches. Uh, that's a that's a long-standing problem. Uh, putting too much faith in the wrong people, that seems to be his problem. Hindering the offense, this is a long-time Pete Carroll irritability that we've, we've had. Um, or an irritation, I should say. So yeah, I'm laying this at Pete Carroll. So for me, it's a problem of roster construction. And I don't know who's the most responsible for roster construction, whether that's Pete Carroll or John Schneider. Um, but if it's both of them, they both can go as far as I'm concerned, because last off season, we had opportunities to, to improve our offensive line. Instead, we signed Tyler Lockett to a long-term extension. We brought in Gabe Jackson, who has been fine, but our tack, we, I think that the team knew Dwayne Brown was getting old. They knew this was happening. What, what's happening they to also Dwayne have Brown a now. Calendar. And yes. so so they they knew that was happening. So they don't give Dwayne Brown a new deal, but they don't do anything to to improve our tackle depth either. You know, and then Dwayne Brown didn't have a super bad game in this game. He did give up a a, a pressure, but th- this and let's head this off. Yes, we think that for where we picked him, Stone Forsyth is interesting. You cannot count that as addressing tackle depth. No, and another thing too is like. Stone Forsyth isn't the one that's getting on the field. It's undrafted rookie Jake Curhan getting on the field for a few snaps a game. I mean, you can't, it's hard to win running, running 49 offensive plays, right? Especially when you let the other team run 83. Okay. You, you can't win if you don't have the ball and you, and the other team just has the ball all the time. That's very difficult to do. And Against all odds, we still kind of were in this game for the whole thing, even though we were just getting beat pillar to post because the Cardinals kicker decided he wanted to keep us in the game. Like <laughs> we weren't in the game because of anything. We were doing exceptionally good. The defense was allowing some bend, but don't break drives. And the offense was playing like garbage. And then 
And then the other kicker decided, hey, I'm going to keep the Seahawks in it by just donking a bunch of field goals over and over. I just such a bad game to watch. It was two really bad teams. Who would have known Prater would have been bad when he left Detroit? (laughs) So, Kevin, uh, for you, is is this a do you agree? Is this a is this a roster construction Pete Carroll problem or should we be laying more of this at Russell Wilson's feet? I lay it at Pete Carroll's feet simply because if it's roster construction, Pete has a big hand in that. If it's play calling and the offensive install, Pete has a big hand in that. Yeah, we've seen and too many different OCs to think that he doesn't he isn't influencing this, right? Exactly. Not to mention he's the one that should understand what Russell Wilson will and won't do. And as a guy who we praise for his ability to manage personalities and get superstars working at their best, then he's the person who should know that if Russell Wilson's just going to huck it deep, even if underneath stuff is open, then that's what you need to be able to build your offense around, which means having really good tackles to keep the pressure uh, from coming on the sides there. You have to have generally just a really good offensive line. You need to be investing in uh, third and fourth options so that he has receivers 10 plus yards down the field to throw it to. Uh, At the end of the day, Pete Carroll's all about the fact that the buck stops with him. He's all about how this is his team. And when times are good, we've been uh, we've heaped a lot of praise on him. And when he's handled and guided the team through a situation that was difficult, we have been a group of people who are saying, hey, look at the job Pete did managing the Legion of Boom's big personalities. Look at what happened to those players when they left. Um, Look at the way that he was able to keep everything uh, going with all of these quality players through injuries, through uh, timeshare, through whatever for a stretch run. Well, the other side of that is last couple of weeks, when you look at him in press conferences, when you look at the product on the field, it looks like the game might be passing him by. Let's talk about that press conference, Kevin. Let's talk about that press conference. I mean, have Pete Carroll's Should never I talk walked... about it and then walk away and then come back yeah. and talk about it again. I've never Make seen sure you apologize like when you come back. Never seen anything like that. Like he just he basically he I mean, he is very forth uh forthcoming with certain things, especially emotional level things. And man, I've never seen him like like look like this. And um, yeah, losing's hard. And right now his team is playing they have the same problems every week. And I think for him, like that's got to be exceptionally frustrating because you know the things you need to fix, and you just can't fix them. Like for but whatever reason, I feel like reason. he doesn't know what he needs to fix. Like what's happening is he thinks he's fixing it. If you look at the game plan coming into this, this is a classic Pete Carroll. We're gonna run the ball. We're going to uh, take some of those deep shots, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And what you saw was Russ getting sacked on the deep shots and. The run game not mattering because we couldn't sustain it for an entire drive. So his fixes aren't working. And I think that's a big part of what's throwing him off. All right. So I'm going to give you guys a choice. Just on the future of the team, we're going to go really wide view. Okay. You can choose Russ, Pete, or uh, or I guess you could pick neither. All right. So we'll start with uh, we'll start with Eric. Eric, what do you think? Russ, Pete, or, or neither? I'm sorry. Are we getting rid of this person? Yeah, you know, you're who do you want to do you want to would you like to move forward with the Seahawks franchise? Would you like to have Russell Wilson remain uh, moving and forward Pete gone? Would you like to have Pete gone? I guess you could have both. You could or you neither could run or neither together or That's neither right. or both. Yeah, 
uh, I am choosing to uh, I choose moving forward with Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll is out for the reason that finding a generational quarterback and that's what we have is it's a generational thing. You're not going to find that easy. They don't they don't grow on trees. Now some teams seem to kind of uh, you know uh, straddle the line of you know playing okay like the Broncos and then they grab Peyton Manning for a few years. And then they uh, they do okay, and then who knows who they're gonna you know they're looking to possibly get Aaron Rodgers next year for a few years. That's the rumor anyway. Uh, we drafted Russell Carrington Wilson. We we brought him into our hearts. He's been with us for so long. If you think that you know trading him and you know upgrading everything else and then just plugging someone in is going to work, that is a that is fool's gold. There's did no the team, way. Did the team look that much worse with with Geno Smith at quarterback? I mean, I don't know. Like that's no, that's yeah, of, but I'm not. I'm not basing I'm like Russell Wilson on this one season. That's, I'm like looking in the no mirror way. right now, and it's like, man. And also before Geno Smith, that Russell Wilson, yeah, we looked a hell of a lot better. So here's the thing about Russell Wilson too: is that Russell Wilson back in the day, he got away with not making many uh, intermediate or short throws because he would just get those yards on his feet, right? But like Russell Wilson's just not scrambling very much anymore. Oh, he's right? getting old, man. It happens so, to everyone, and it's so I just it's don't not if, in his playbook as much as it was. I don't know if Grandpa version of of Russ is someone that uh, we can really, I don't know, like go to war with. You know, it's like this. But is, can you go to war with Pete Carroll right now, a guy who is a, doing a big part of constructing this roster? who is making bad decisions on a weekly basis is making bad personnel decisions is a defensive mastermind who is building a terrible defense over the last what handful of years. That's who you want to go forward with. If I got to choose one, I'm choosing Russ. Yeah. I'm, I'm choosing neither to be honest Ooh. with you. Cause I think, I think you allow a new GM coming in to kind of, um, a new GM and a new coach to come in and, and kind of mold their vision. Uh, if I have to choose, you know, one of the three, I think that that's fair. It's something that really bugged me uh, that happened in this, this series of press conferences. And Michael Sean Duggar has been writing about this is that he said, Tyler Lockett assessing what's wrong with the offense yeah. ran through a list of things, but the most interesting, he says defenses are showing one thing on film and then doing something completely different on game day. And Seattle is not adjusting. Well, he says it happened last year too. And then Pete Carroll responded. They asked Pete Carroll about he, Michael Sean asked him directly about this quote. And he, Pete Carroll's response was, you're assuming that he's right. Yeah. And then he he's written, he wrote in The Athletic about a bunch of times where Tyler has brought problems to the table and they say everything's fine and then things continue to be bad. And like the fact that they're taking a veteran player that they paid a boatload of money, a AAV of over $17 million a year. Okay. Just, just a, an absolutely ridiculous uh, amount of money. Like this is top end wide 15. receiver one money. This is wide receiver one money, man. This is this is big money for a wide receiver. We uh, and then we give him seven targets a game, and when he has ideas about what we should be doing on offense, we say we we bury him in the press. Like I don't know, man. I think like for me, I'm really I'm just frustrated overall with the direction of the franchise. I do think that Pete Carroll is going to retire regardless of what we think here at the end of the year. He just he seems like he's trending that direction. Does he does he not? I don't think I don't even think like a really good run at the end of the season, even if they won out and went nine and seven, which we did say 
um, back on our in the bye week. You know, we did say they could lose two of these you four can't tough go nine games and seven anymore. Okay, sorry, ten and seven yep. would be a win out. Yep, right? that's a thing that you have to say now. <laughs> okay, that's Kevin's ugly. Right. Um, Enjoy. Uh, so, so even if they went out and go ten and seven, though, uh, which we did say they could lose two games, win out, or win. Now they 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 use their whole runway though in the first two, in the first two games. Yeah, they, like uh, Brett getting that zero in like the second week of pick'em. Yeah, exactly. It's like you burned your whole runway in the first two weeks. So I, I doubt they'll go ten and seven at this point. I think it's much more likely that they'll they'll go at least nine and eight, maybe even eight and nine. And at this point, like just what's the I don't know, like what what is Pete does Pete Carroll even want to come back? Like I doubt it. He's really old. He's losing. Uh so I think it just seems like the right time for him to step away. Then do we step away from Schneider? Schneider has not done well in the draft for several years here right we've we've we now have so is it is it schneider or is it pete remember schneider wanted russell wilson in the second round he wanted him in the first then he wanted him in the second and then he threw a fit to get him drafted in the third right but how much of john schneider's success was his success and how much was that that really good scout that he had that that uh the carolina panthers front office guy yeah that's in the panthers front office now while the panthers are accumulating a really good defensive talent in the mid to late rounds um, I don't know. I just don't, I don't, we've had four years now of, of, of drafts, Pete Carroll, John Schneider drafts that have been a pretty big letdowns. And it's a big reason why this team is, has chased why, like, you know, when you're sending two first round picks for a safety, you're chasing a little bit. Right. And it could have worked out. It obviously you're trying did to not. Pry a window open. It, it did not. Let's get it. So let's use this to transition to defense. Um, oh, I don't get a pick. Oh no! Go ahead. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I, I just like I saw the transition there, and I was like, I gotta take it. But now nah, yeah, you're right. It was a good transition. But, it's just so uh, sad. But I had to step all over it. Sorry. Uh, so I think that the two answers that make the most sense to me. I said this after the press conference in the Discord. Um, Pete Carroll right now reminds me of Pete Carroll in his last season at USC. He seems like he's not having any fun. He seems like he's very tired. And I could see him looking for a change at the end of the year. I agree. I think there's a really good chance this is his last season with the Seahawks, or at least his last season on the sidelines. And they and, they let him they let him walk away with the way he wants to walk away. If yeah. he became team president, I would like it because I do think he's a good culture builder. He has yeah. a unique, he has a he has a skill. It's just it's not showing up on the football field anymore. I think the game a little bit to an extent has passed him by. Now, yeah. do you guys think that Pete is actually going to step away this year, though? Because I feel I like I we're inferring that. I would, I lo- I would love it, he, but I feel don't you, like he don't wants you feel to like, compete still. Don't you feel like Pete gives you the clues, though, and he's given us the clues walking out of the walking out of the press conference and stuff? Like these are the clues. I he, see, and I don't know if that's a clue or if it's just a guy who has not lost in a very, very long time. Yeah, it's fair. It's tough. It's tough. It's it's really tough right now. Um, but anyway, he like was I, nine and four in his last season at USC, and he uh, won a game. He won the Emerald Bowl. Hell uh, yeah, bro! Who'd they play? Let's see. Let me see if I can find this because I the Pan Pack Emerald Bowl. It. Uh, they they won the Emerald Bowl against Boston College, the <laughs> Diamond Foods Emerald Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> who, was, who was the coach was of so uh, close. the Diamond Foods Elm? Diamond food, so that's like the uh, the the almonds and stuff. Uh, you, I want to go. This is the rabbit hole I want to go down. Uh, this was the Frank Spaziani uh, Boston College team. 
So uh, Matt Barkley was the quarterback for USC, correct? Yeah, I believe that would have been uh, Barkley's. Uh, Barkley. Yeah. All right, Matt Barkley, dude. I had such high hopes for Matt Barkley, and then, yep. uh, man, he came back for his senior year for some reason, and and uh, that was basically it, and did not pay attention to him at all after that. Yeah. So the, uh, that being said, nine and and I say nine and four, and they won a bowl game, and people who don't watch college football are probably going like, oh, that seems okay. So they were a, a preseason AP top five team. They reached as high as three in the polls. They finished 22nd. This was a very disappointing down season. Um, much in the way that just missing the playoffs in the NFL would be a disappointing down season. And this was coming off of the heels of uh, three straight Rose Bowl wins four straight Rose Bowl appearances, and uh, he had a combined five losses in the previous three seasons, and he had four losses in that season. So just to give you an idea of kind of how he was coming back down to earth. Mm-hmm. And you're saying it's repeating itself. Yep. I so I, I think it's going to be a situation where I think the Pete situation is just happening. So that's gone. And my question is, do we think a 32-year-old Russell Wilson, by the time we build an offense that is tailored to what he does best and what he wants to do, will he still be a high-quality quarterback in the NFL at that age? Um, Right now, it looks like about age 37 seems to be the top end. So that's five more years. I think we could push a window open in that time. Okay, so there's a stat that I was just throwing around. No team has ever won a Super Bowl in the salary cap era with a quarterback making more than like 18.3% of the cap. And that that person who did that was the very first salary cap year was Steve Young. Um, and I do think there's there maybe is something to that at this point. I'm starting to think that it's really hard to win when you're paying one dude uh, that much of your cap. And, and so, somebody else isn't. Yeah, and then the, the other teams don't have to do that. And it might be why so many bad franchises or even mediocre franchises push in and try to get a cheap quarterback. We saw San Francisco do it this year. It didn't seem like they needed to 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 go all in on a young quarterback. But then you realize like they are trying to get the, the cheap quarterback, right? They're trying to be the next team to get a cheap quarterback. And who are the big contenders this year? Tampa Bay, Tom Brady doesn't make that much money he takes less to make sure the team is better we got josh allen still on a a rookie deal right so um i think this is the last year of the rookie deal though so after this year it gets expensive and i'm going to bet it's going to be much tougher sledding for buffalo for the buffalo bills after this year right so yeah it's and we see it with kansas city what's happening to kansas city right now uh well mahomes got paid and yes he is pretty cheap this year so they were able to hold something together but they're already an up and down team. And I think next year it could get, it's going to get even tougher for them. Right. Well, the big thing is it kills their ability to make other mistakes in other places, like paying Frank Clark, like a number one pass rusher when he's not very good. Yeah. So yeah. I'm a, uh, I think, you know, you get in these situations, like I said before, where you have to chase. And so the Seahawks chase, they traded two first rounders for Jamal Adams. Um, I'm going to say this. A lot of people love to rag on Jamal Adams really hard. I don't even think he's been particularly bad. He had one really notably bad play in this game. It was very bad. It ended the game, essentially. It was a bad pass interference in the end zone against Zach Ertz that basically I mean, put a... He put could the, have just gotten beat instead of doing the pass interference because he was beat. Same, was res- problem. Yeah. Same, same result. You know what I mean? Like he, Either way, he failed. And 
and for Jamal Adams, here's the thing that bugs me. Okay, is that he is the the highest paid safety in the league, correct? Uh, he yep. he is. We gave up two first round picks to get Jamal Adams. He's 26 years old in the absolute prime of his career, and he is uh like a like an eight out of ten defensive player right now. And you just cannot give a guy that much money, put that much draft capital into a guy, and then be like, hey, yeah, he's he's a solid B. That's just that is not cutting it. That is just not cutting it. And it he's a really interesting player. He's a really unique player. I love watching him play the way he lines up in different alignments, the way that they can move him all over the field. Last game he played 13 games along the D line, 26 in the box, 29 at free safety, 12 in the slot. That's right. They're on the field for like 82 plays on defense. So he, he was all over the place. It's cool that he can do that. And I think he's really unique. And I he it he could be the key cog in a really good defense. But um he I don't is think we not... have the personnel in place to scheme that defense is a big part of it. Correct. Too. Yeah. And it's, it's the and same it's really... thing with Russell Wilson. And at his salary, it's really hard to build that defense around him because I do think you're gonna need you need to keep him clean. And like there are a couple run plays where he started close to the line where he just gets completely washed out of the play because he's not big, right? It's just hard for he can you can wash him out of the play. It's hard for him. a 210 pound guy to stand up to a 310 pound guy. That's just yeah. a fact. It's just the way it is. And so, yeah, you can't teach. Uh, what do they, they say in the bas- a basketball? You know, you can't keep you can't teach tall, right? You can't teach, you can't <laughs> teach that. You can't teach big. It's just too hard. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it was tough. I, I want to say props to Sidney Jones, who had an awesome game uh, coming in. Uh, I do think that that guy's turning the corner a little Had bit. A Kevin King good. level interception. Yeah, I, I yes. Oh my gosh! Wow. <laughs> I I thought that was that that pick that was ridiculous. I I cannot believe that didn't. I mean, stand. I'm just saying, if one is a pick and the other one isn't a pick, that's where I have a problem. Yes, yeah, not a hate. It does feel like we're playing twelve on eleven a lot this year. But uh, Trey Brown hurt out for season. Uh, got a knee <sighs> surgery. Heartbreaking. DJ Reed, we might as well shut him down for the season because he's been dinged up all year. Well, I don't know. I get him back because Blessing Austin was uh was dicey. Yeah, who would have thought the guy not good enough to stick around in the Jets secondary might be dicey? This is the kind of roster construction is exactly what we've been talking well, it's about. A guy that we just thought would fit in our system. And man, they they targeted short intermediate routes that were covered covered and tackled by linebackers 18 times in this game. They got 16 receptions for 146 yards. Ha, this is the same kind of stuff that has been killing this defense the whole year and nothing has improved. I just can't take it anymore, guys. When, when Colt McCoy can go 25 for 32 two touchdowns and quick throws under two and a half seconds. Looked great, man. Despicable. He looked looked like like the Seahawks killer. He is. So to guess, I guess finish my answer. Finally, I, I think the coaching staff has to have the change. That's what must happen. And whether or not Russ goes out, I think is up to whoever comes in to replace him because what needs to happen is Pete and a bunch of guys. Pete is loyal to, uh, don't have answers to the questions anymore. And there needs to be a change in order for answers to occur. That's so just an issue. Like I'm having an accountability, I'm having an accountability meeting with them right now and they are accountable for answering these questions or they are accountable for finding someone who will. All right. So here's some, I'm going to name a couple options people throw out there commonly. And I want you to tell me on a scale of one to 10, just like one being absolute yuck and 10 being yay i would be so excited well how you feel about that all right so pete carroll moves into the front office and hires dan quinn to be the head coach kevin three 
Eric? That's a five. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a straight up like one for me. No way. That's just that's hiring just Pete Carroll again. Yes, he did identify Kyle Shanahan and get him in, which makes me think he could find another great offensive mind. But I think a lot of Atlanta's success was Shanahan based and not Dan Dan Quinn based. I agree. It's, Though I also think Thomas Dimitrov was not good. Yeah. So okay. Um, then we now we'll go to oh, so so that was our uh, that was the first option. Uh, okay. Pete Carroll moves into the front office and brings in Kellen Moore, offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. Bring in the home, the hometown uh, or home state boy back. Uh, Gary, Kevin, what do you think? Six. Okay. Uh, I think that that's a really interesting hire. I think that he is a good offensive coordinator, but a guy who has no head coaching experience at any level is always a little bit of concern. And that's what makes it a six instead of being a 10. Okay. Uh, I also have him at a six because I'm I'm Habsies on it. I'm mid range, but he's younger, so it's a little more exciting than Dan Quinn. All right, and then um, another one. Uh, people, wait, wait. There's um, oh, people say um, they maybe we brought in our, our new offense coordinator Shane Waldron to be a eventual uh, Pete Carroll replacement. So Kevin, what would you feel about Shane Waldron? Four, because it's like Kellen Moore, only worse. Okay. Uh, four or five. It. I don't know if. I don't know if he's a diamond in the rough or just plain rough. Yeah. All right. And then, you know, then there's like the the regular names. Like we could go college level Lincoln Riley or who Cincinnati's coach Fickle. Is that that guy's name? Yep. Cincinnati's coach. Those are the hot hot names people think matter. Greg Roman from Baltimore is people people talk about. Uh, Jim Harbaugh's had kind of a renaissance here from Michigan. People bring him up as a potential guy that Eric the enemy gets mentioned for every head coaching job. Joe Brady with Carolina. Yeah. So there's a bunch of guys out there that, that I think people are interested in. Um, I think those three are the games that come up the most though. The first three I said for, for various reasons, uh, Seattle ties and stuff like that. If Pete Carroll moves in the front office, you got to think that, um, that he's going to pick a guy that he has some, uh, some, some kind of it connection also means to. that you got to figure John's going to stay most likely. Yeah. So I, I, um, I don't know. I don't know the future of the, of the Seattle Seahawks. It's very up in the air right now. It's just a weird situation to be in. We have not, you know, it's been a long time since I felt this way about this team, right? We, we started this podcast in a really long time ago <laughs> and it's since, since the, uh, since the, basically the whole time this podcast has run, you know, it was the beginning of the Pete Carroll era was the beginning of this podcast. So, We've we have not experienced this and had our thoughts recorded about it, but man, I can tell you one thing: um, me and Brett hated Jim Moore Jr. <laughs> <laughs> like, man, I can I, I I say I didn't didn't like Maybe him. That's but, the man, problem with the team. We didn't have enough Brett, dirt bags this year. That's, Brett, but like that era, we have an awesome punter. No one, <laughs> no one hates Jim Mora more than Brett, though. I I'm not even gonna like I did, I was like mad at Jim Mora, but Brett. That is a he had another level of, of vitriol to throw at Jim Mora, which I appreciate. I appreciate because man, he sucked. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. One thing I'll say is the newer Seahawks fans, fans who haven't been on haven't been on the team outside the Pete Carroll era, is it, it experiencing it sometimes experiencing other worse worse coaches for a big portion of my life has made me like very hesitant to just like dump Pete Carroll to the curb the way some people have because i just remember what it was like and i don't i don't want to be super super bad again it was so bad 
Yep. And um, maybe Pete yeah. Carroll's heading in that direction, though. You know, like maybe we finally dried that well up and we need to just get out of here before it gets even worse. I don't know. It it's... reminds me of the last Holmgren year, though, because Holmgren did that for the franchise, too. Now, uh, Pete obviously had more success, but Holmgren was like, oh, my gosh, we finally got the biggest name, the biggest coach in football. And he's going to change everything. Or it's sad, Kevin. But he he's going to change everything. And he did. And he almost got to the top of the mountain. But when he when it was time for him to go, it was time for him to go. Yeah, there's and, a fade out to it. And I just feel like we're in the same spot. Mm. Mm. Okay. Yeah, this doesn't feel like 2017 when Russ got kind of dinged up and it was a little bit of an ugly season. This this feels different than that. And you know why? It's because it just fast forward. Be like, okay, we lose every game this year. Who cares? Let's talk next year. Okay, let's talk next year. Just real, without going too far into it. Is there any immediate hope that you guys see in next year? I'm going to answer for me, no. If this, if there is not significant changes, like a big reshuffle all up and down the roster, here's the thing. We do have a lot of cap room to reshape the roster next year. The Seahawks will go into next offseason with a minimum of $60 million in cap. But they showed this year that that doesn't mean anything because we're still sitting with $13 million in cap room yes. for some reason. So I yep. that even though we do have the ability to reshape the roster, that doesn't mean that they will do it, And which is why I do want front office changes. Because yeah, I we want, need new voices in that room. I want someone to come in and help reshape the roster because this team, you know, with $60 million, what I'd like to see them do is pick up two or three three blue chip players right now. Their strategy seems to be to scatter shot a bunch of five to $10 million guys who end up all being terrible or mediocre at best. I want to see them pick up some guys who are blue chips, some guys who are really, really good. And, uh, cause no matter what you are overpaying to the level of productivity. So you might as well pay a money for a B plus then pay a bunch of B minus money for C minuses. Yeah. It's, it's, it's rough right now, though, in Seahawks land. I, I know people are suffering right now because, like, our team MVP is the punter right now. Michael Dixon's been very good. Oh, uh, same year, but, man. But gr- great. I, another thing that annoys me about the construction of the Seahawks roster is that we're paying so much money to kickers and punters. Uh, yep. Our our cap table right now uh, a lot's like I think like seven million to kickers and punters or something. Jason That's Myers so is getting. Four point three million, and Dixon is getting two point three million. So yeah, it's it's almost seven million dollars going to kickers and punters. Uh, when you when there are other teams that are very good who are paying kickers and punters basically no money because there are guys just walking the street. We see it every week that can come in and kick field goals. And yeah, they're not as good as Jason Myers, but they're not worse enough to be worth uh, a really good cap number. And right yeah, now, it's just, say, they don't have to be as good as Jason Myers them plus an extra Brian Monet has to bring you as much value as Jason Myers. Yeah. I just think the roster construction is really difficult. $32 million to Russell Wilson and just wasting. I mean, yeah, it's not wasted. I guess next year we'll roll over $12 million in cap and we'll be able to pay all the stupid void years that we put on all these contracts. So, so. Neat. <laughs> all right. Okay. So, all do, right. We want to, do we want to talk at all about the Arizona game specifically, like each pick a player? Or are we just going to go ahead and sweep that one? Uh, sure. Tyler Lockett played good. And uh, I I think that Tyler and DK both have legitimate gripes when they say they don't feel like they're getting targeted enough. Um, yeah, they're right. They are 100% correct. They are not getting targeted enough. Uh, they are 34th and 36th in the league in targets. 
Uh, if you think they're the 34th and 36th best wide receivers in the NFL, that's uh, I think you've misassessed because there here are some players that have more targets than them. The uh, the I'm just going to say one Hunter Renfro has more targets than either of these guys. Ugh. All right, I'm done. That's it. Gross. Uh, I yeah, to get those guys the ball. Good teams get their best players the balls in situations to succeed. Debo Samuel is the example I use for this. Debo Samuel. Not the best route runner, um, but once the ball is in his hands, he is like a tank and he's so fast. He's really hard to take down. You cannot tell me that Debo Samuel catching a six yard slant is better than an, on a design play that's designed basically just to get him open six yards down the field with a little bit of space, that that wouldn't be just as good if we did the same thing for DK Metcalf, a guy who looks like he's uh, a superhero. He looks like a G.I. Joe action figure out there. Like he's his incredible physique. Yeah. Yes, okay. If he was in a movie, he'd be played by The Rock. Exactly. He, he <laughs> The Rock would play. Yeah, The Rock would play DK, but it wouldn't be a buff enough. It's just not enough. He needs more steroids if he wants to be DK. <laughs> like DK is it's... incredible. And we don't we don't make any kind of effort to 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 get DK the ball in any kind of interesting situation. All we do is just chuck deep balls to him and and hope that he can run under it. It's just and can I talk about that? Because that's what I want to talk about on offense is Russ. Russ had a 11.3 average depth of target, and that is a problem. Um, average depth of target for DK Metcalf, 17 yards. Average depth of target for Tyler Lockett, 12.3, uh, sorry, uh, 8.5 yards, which is why he was actually able to make some catches. Um, the issue is that Russ keeps trying to huck it deep, and it's like all he's doing. And I think part of it's the finger. Nothing's under center which means it's no play action. They ran bare bones, throw it deep stuff. They ran some place for under center in this game though. Like it's just, they, they ran a bunch of plays for under center. I I don't know if they ran any plays at all. They might as well have run zero plays. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) They didn't remember many, but, but like the, I, I, the first drive, I, I would just like counted to see, you know, how many plays they ran under center. And, you know, the first drive was only like, like seven plays or whatever, but the, but they ran like, two of the first three plays were under center. Like they, they, the offense right, but was then it ended on two sacks where it was, the offense was normal, but I felt like every time rested play action, he just got tackled immediately. And I don't know. This, this, the, we, okay. We need to, you want to fix this team just in the immediate future. Uh, Phil Lindsay got waived this week. Go get that guy because we need a guy who has juice on first and second down to keep defenses honest. Because right now their defensive ends just pin their ears back and try to try to go around the edge and don't respect us running up the middle at all. And why should yeah. they? To be honest, why should they respect Alex us? Alex Collins is a decent backup, but he is not a number one running back. I'd love to use Alex Collins on third downs to spell Philip Lindsay, who cannot pass block. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, that's that's the kind of situation I want to be in. I don't want to be in the situation we're in now, where right now we have to rely on guys that just don't have the ju- they don't have the juice, man. They're not good. They're not good. They're just OK. And it's fun to do the Alex Collins emoji in the discord. I'm I'm, I'm into that. But he is he is a bang. It's only average. fun when you're winning, though. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, my like my player of the game oh. is uh, the greatest, greatest player this the, we had all on the field all week. And it's Brian Monet. I said, oh, yeah, one and a half sacks, forced fumble. Enough said. Uh, honestly, big, big come up for that guy. I don't really see it happening a lot, but uh, you know, he's had a really solid season, though. Like, he really has. No, it's it's a it's example of a guy you stick with who's cut his earned his chops on the special teams. You you can kind of see like why they they decided they were OK with moving on from Jaron Reed. If they knew they had Brian Monet, like and Al Woods is kind of picking up the, the, the snap count to make sure Monet doesn't get 
overly tired or whatever. This is like a it's a nice they have a nice solid defensive tackle rotation. Not getting enough yeah. pressure from the edges, but the defensive tackle rotation has been good enough. And of course sure. the edge pressure rate immediately dropped when suddenly we had corners who couldn't cover because everything we do on it as a defense is predicated on having corners that can handle playing man. And we don't. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so any, any other players you guys want to highlight before we, uh, we move on to uh, talk about this mo- game at all money, money zone movie club. Oh wait, no, we have to talk about the, the we dead have to talk team. about the next game, the dead team, the, the, the football, the football team. I was just going to say Damian Lewis had a really good game moving on the, f- the football team. Uh, yeah. He, yeah. The offensive line, they just need uh, one. Oh, of right the, tackle need, situation was ugly. We need one star, man. We and Dwayne isn't it anymore. It's yep. unfortunate. It's unfortunate, but they just they need a they need a star. So okay, moving on now to uh, to to Washington. We play in prime time. I'm sure this is not what they want, <laughs> what they expected when they were made this game. Just the how the season. NFL drew it up. Uh, we already got flexed at the San Francisco Sunday night game. Already got flexed, which uh, way to get behind on that one yeah. anyway, because yeah, that's that's correct. And uh, yeah, I I don't know this. They're they have played up and down football, but they beat the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers two weeks ago, which is something I cannot fathom us doing. So I'm definitely not taking Washington football team for granted at this point. Uh, this is going to probably be a close game where the Seahawks have a drive where they could win it. And uh, if it's like anything in these other games, we'll probably find a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. So I don't know. I, I guess I'll just, it's going to be like 21 to 20 and I don't care who wins to be honest. I do care because I don't want to give the jets a top 10 pick. I, I don't think I'll be able to handle that mentally. My mental state won't be good. Okay. I'm going to pick the Seahawks to win 21 to 20. All right. Uh, Eric. Uh, I also have Seahawks winning here. I think mainly because I'm just so sick of rooting against the Seahawks. Um, even even though it's turned out to be right, I'm taking Seahawks. Oh, let's let's go crazy, gentlemen! Eighteen to thirteen. I just threw up a little in my mouth, right? Let's score down. Um, I have. You know, I think the way that the team wins is if the offense is able to get something going. And so I'm going to predict a score based on that. Uh, The secondary for Washington hasn't played well. Um, It's definitely a secondary that you can exploit. Uh, uh, Kendall Fuller's been okay. And basically everyone else playing corner has been um, Sidney Jones levels of bad. Uh, so not terrible, but uh, not starting corner. So let's go with Seahawks 27, Washington 20. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, all right, whatever. There are many ways to support the best than Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so be like, do it all for the Tucci. Head over to only12s.com. And uh, sign up for the uh, Patreon podcast and all that stuff. Uh, I just went. I probably just posted the one for this week, and I realized that I never posted the one for last week. So uh, it looks like you're going to get two episodes this week, and one of them you're going to have to get in a time machine and pretend you heard it last week because uh, the picks will be for games that I don't even think people listen to it for the That's picks okay, at this point. Timeless. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think people listen to it for the picks at this point. So I'm just let it. It'll be fun. Uh, okay, and then the jokes are still good. They're still funny. And uh, yeah, I did a thing this week. Uh, you'll see. <laughs> do you like that? Do you like that teaser, guys? That was All right. Wonderful. <laughs> for yeah. uh, 
Thank you to those Patreons, new and old, who headed to only12s.com, clicked anywhere on the screen, or punthub.us, or maybe they just went straight to patreon.com slash Seahawksnest. And of course, got to give it up for our boy, Washington Fish Quest, on YouTube. Check him out. He's our once, future, and forever sponsor. Uh, Andy, thank you to the current Patreons. Andy, Brett, Greta, James, Carrie, Lucas, Kirian, Timothy, Tom, Emmanuel, Astro, Bob, Casey, Daniel, David, Flocktimus, Foles, Jay, Kieran, Leon, Michelle, Mike and Mike, Richard, Thomas, Warwolf, Brandon, Nick, punch the microphone for Brandon right there. Okay. Um, <laughs> movie club. Uh, we, I thought we would need a lot of time. We ended up bitching for a really long time at the beginning yeah, of the podcast. So, so now this might be, I don't know. We, we have time though. We, yeah, we're, we're, recording. we're recording a little earlier than usual. So this is just going to be like an extra long episode maybe. All right. So what we're going to do today is we're going to compare movies uh, to, to our favorite Thanksgiving foods. Um, I got this idea from from listening to Fantasy Footballers podcast. They do a thing where every year they compare uh, candies to fantasy football players, and I thought, oh man, that's a great idea. I could probably like tweak that and make it a little Seahawks nesty. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna. <laughs> this is totally uh, yeah, a kind of a left turn from that. But basically, what you're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna say a food, and then we're gonna say why a movie reminds us of that food. So I'll start us off, just kind of get everyone going. So we're gonna start with the turkey. And a turkey can be a little dry. It can be a little boring, but it's absolutely necessary. You have to have it. You have to do it. So this is a movie that for me is a little boring, but I think is a must watch uh, and is an all time great. So I put Schindler's List. That's the movie that I picked. Um, yeah, it's it's not it's not the most it's not Captain Excitement, but you have to watch it at least once in your life. I think you're really missing out if you don't. Uh, the And especially the the music is so amazing but the it really just the shots the acting everything's perfect this movie's like basically perfect all right eric what'd you yes. pick uh for me i picked a pta movie paul thomas anderson and so you may say like well well just any movie no for me i went with uh two choices here because it's like uh there will be blood one of my favorite movies uh maybe it it, it takes a long time to to get through but if you do it right it's actually really awesome and uh you could also say it's like the master, another uh, PTA movie, because like the first time you cook turkey, it's probably not going to be very good. But the more you work at it and you find your craft, like in the master and watching the master, the more you do it, it gets better and better. So like, uh, that's that's what I have. I like that you picked two movies, too, because it's a little dark meat, like dark meat, light yes. meat kind of thing. So I, I'm, I'm digging it, Eric. I'm totally I'm put, picking up what you're putting down. All right. Uh, Kevin, what'd you pick? So uh, my thought on turkey is it's one of those things where uh, you can easily see how it could go wrong. You can easily see how it would be a terrible experience. You can easily see how it just wouldn't work. But if you do it right, if you put the pieces together, if you give it just the right amount of time, if you do a little something special, it can really turn out to be something that um, as the feature of the meal still ends up being something that you enjoy and well executed it can be uh it can be top notch and so i pick spotlight because spotlight is a movie that tackled a really difficult subject matter it is a long form journalism movie which is easy to mess up and easy to make boring but when executed exactly right it is five out of five all right, so um, next one is mashed potatoes and gravy. And for me, mashed potatoes and gravy is something that I really love. 
And no matter how many times, uh, how many bites of it I can eat, I seem to always be able to find a room in my stomach for one more spoonful. So this has got to be a movie that I can watch over and over and over again. And for me, that's super bad. Uh, super bad is, I think, holds up really well. It is so funny. I think it took a formula that had been kind of uh, perfected and did it in a way where um, one thing I like is that the movie is really just about like, two friends like because in life you grow apart you know and it's just like uh how do you handle that growing apart and i just think that that's such like an interesting kind of twist on the uh the buddy buddy kind of growing coming of age movie and i i don't know i loved it i love super bad um very cool uh and all right eric what'd you pick same reason is why i chose pineapple express a wonderful movie that has everything i want in it it's got comedy it is a comedy but it's got some action it's got it's very quotable mashed potatoes and gravy. Yeah, you always want a little more. And because you want a little more, well, I'll just take a little bit more turkey. Well, then I better take a little more cranberry. I'll take a little more side. It's just it has everything. It brings everything together. Mwah, chef's kiss. Hey, Eric, I'm baking a, cr- I'm baking a cake. <laughs> it's my cat's birthday today. It's my cat's birthday today. Do you see asshole. this? Do you see this? Uh, see shave my armpits. Make it more aerodynamic What's that when mean? I fight. It's aerodynamic when I fight. All right, Ken, what'd you pick? Uh, sorry, now I was the day we line stuck in my head. Um, <laughs> all right, so it's mashed potatoes and gravy. And so I picked The Martian, also known as The Sarcastronaut. Uh, so The Martian is 144 minutes. It deals with somebody being stranded in space. And it is some really heavy content that is made infinitely more enjoyable and brought levity. The gravy on the situation is the absolute dry wit and moments of success that make something that otherwise could be a bit of a slog to get all the way through something that I thoroughly enjoy. Uh, And the other thing too, is that's a movie about someone who makes potatoes from their shit. So, you know, it's definitely uh, fits the, the mashed potatoes part. Uh, All right. Rolls. Rolls taste good. They make you feel good, and uh, you, you're just excited to see them. Even though you could, and even though you could get them whenever you want, uh, you you really shouldn't. You really don't eat them year round because that's a terrible idea. So so, so um, the movie I picked is a movie that I wouldn't want to watch every day, but a movie that makes me feel good every time I've watched it, and that is La La Land. I know people are going to probably make fun of me, but this movie um, just has like such a great. Well, most people can bite uh, it. This movie's fun. This movie, this movie just has such a like a great feeling, and like when they, when she goes to to his jazz show at the end of the movie, and you get that that montage and the music swells and all that stuff. Like I don't know, for me, like that's one of my most like heart swelling moments in a movie I've ever watched. Like I just I really enjoy this movie. I think it's really good. It's really well done, and it. Um, I love the I love the the like the primary message, you know, of just like uh, sometimes people just it doesn't work out. You people grow apart, right? And and you uh just kind of keep going. So I don't know. I love this movie. I love um, the scene but, at the house party when he has to play for the crappy band, and they're just giving <laughs> each other like a like total shit over it the whole time. Yeah, very. That's that's just a delightful back and forth. All right, Eric, what'd you pick for uh for roles? Oh, this is kind of hard for me because I like. Like everyone, even people uh, who who don't eat uh, carbs, I love rolls, but I don't I don't always want to have you know more than one roll. Sometimes I just want one roll. Sometimes I want five rolls. It all depends on <laughs> it depends on the Thanksgiving. So I went with an anthology film, 
And I thought, what's a good anthology film? I kind of thought about it. I was like, you know what? We're just coming off Thanksgiving. I'm going to choose Trick or Treat or Trick or Treat. Uh, a, a very hailed horror anthology movie that never really got its time in theater. Uh, went straight to video. And boy, what a mistake that was. Uh, if you want to choose uh, the whole movie, i.e. like four to five roles, go nuts. If you just want to choose one of the anthology stories, you're good to go. And that's what I like about roles. With butter, of course. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, what'd you pick? So uh, when it comes to roles, if there's one thing about roles, it's that they aren't that big. They're great with everything. And if I have one, then I want a second. And so I thought, well, what's a movie that's not that long? Always very enjoyable. And after I watch the first one, I want to watch the next one. Well, after I watched Lone Wolf and Cub, Sword of Vengeance, uh, Baby Cart of the River Sticks always sounds pretty good. And sometimes I can talk myself into Baby Cart to Hades as well afterwards. And maybe I'll even get into Baby Cart in Peril. So the Lone Wolf and Cub movies are um, they're light and fun and enjoyable and short and they do exactly what i want them to do every single time just like rolls do yeah all right so this one we got to pick our own uh side and um i just pick i went with um i'm gonna shout out to producer brett who uh who was the first person to uh to put this on my thanksgiving table uh it's it's a it's a weird side and not everyone has around here um but it's macaroni and cheese and i i macaroni and cheese on thanksgiving uh, it's it's interesting because it brings a, a different dynamic to my plate than most of the other things I put on it. Uh, and I really, really like macaroni and cheese. So I went with a movie that I really, really like that is not like any of the other movies in my list and that I felt like was like a missing category, right? Like a missing category from my personal movie lexicon. That, so I picked my favorite movie of all time, uh, which is Hard Boiled. Uh, which if you haven't watched Hard Boiled, uh, it's a giant fat action movie. I would be so down to screen this in the Discord if people who haven't seen it want to watch it. It is my Anytime. favorite movie. It is so good. I would watch it a million times. And it's got you know all the John Woo things. If you like Face Off, you have to do yourself a favor and watch Hard Boiled because it's like it's like a John Woo movie that doesn't suck. Anyway, because <laughs> when it comes to John Woo movies, why is it raining? Well, because when the protagonist why, cries, the world cries with him. Why is there jazz flute? <laughs> <laughs> because why when not? the protagonist cries, the world cries. You guys, uh, you guys talking about Broken Arrow? <laughs> I, I uh, actually, Face Off doesn't suck, but I just, it's not as good as Hard Boiled. All right, Eric, what'd you pick? Uh, I also went with a, uh, a side, a, especially side that I want, and that's something like it can be mac and cheese, which I had uh, two years ago uh, for the first time on on uh, this podcast recommendation. I also made a, uh, I'm not a stuffing guy, so I decided like. What's a good stuffing? And I made a uh, Reed Drummond sausage stuffing. And uh, Bro, dear Lord, it was incredible. My dad uh, makes a hamburger dressing like that, a hamburger stuffing. That, yeah, it's, I, I guess dressing because I don't put it in the bird. Actually, I did shove this in some Cornish game hens and I was like, man, I want more of this. And so I chose just a highly enjoyable movie that I want and I don't care if anybody else wants. And yeah. that is Dread. Nice. Uh, what, a, what a delightful movie. A, a delightful movie. It's filmed with a gimmick for the 3d and i don't even care it it stands up it's amazing go watch it now 
right. the the first act of dread establishes everything so perfectly. Yes, and the All ending right. is so dread. And the acting is yes. like the acting is on point in this movie. That makes oh, yeah. the movie. But it's I mean, actually got a lot of it's. It's like what we want for the Seahawks: quality of positions without paying money. My only criticism for Dread is it feels like <laughs> it's the exact same movie as uh, Raid Redemption, and like I don't know which movie was was conceptualized slash made first, so I don't know which one to criticize. Oh, oh, for that. Uh, criticize Dread, but I don't care. I'll give Dread the thumbs up. <laughs> they just feel uh, like the same. My only criticism on Dread is that it didn't get a sequel. All right, uh, Kevin, would you would you pick for your specialty side? Uh, all right, so there's a thing that my mom has always made. It's uh, it, it gets busted out at. Um, Christmas, Thanksgiving, and occasionally on Easter. And it is a fruit salad. Um, it is uh, apples, grapes, marshmallow cherries, um, mandarin oranges, and marshmallows, and uh, uh, like heavy whipping cream. And it's sweet, and it makes me think of my childhood, and it's nostalgically uh, wonderful. Um, and I know I shouldn't have it too often. Because it'll just kind of ruin it for me, but every time, uh, every time it comes out, it uh, puts a smile on my face, just like *The Princess Bride*, which is a childhood favorite and all-time favorite, a movie that I watch probably about once a year, and just it, I always enjoy it. And it's um, uh, a modern, it's a it's a fantasy movie, which is just something that we don't get a lot of anymore. Kevin, you stirred like a like a like a core memory in me right there with your description because my mom does something similar. And also, want to I want to stump for Kevin's mom putting unexpected ingredients into uh, into things like I would not expect marshmallows in a fruit salad, and then like having it just be like the best choice because his mom does that with a couple different recipes that I've had when I was a kid, and it's just like so good. Yeah, but, yeah uh, you, like my parents are really good at a uh, uh, broke pantrying. Like, tr- like, yeah, just like a little, like a little twist on like a, like a weird thing that you never would expect. And it just it turns out so good. But like, you made me think of my mom's jello salad right there, which is like a similar thing where it's like, she puts like jello, strawberries, pineapples, and like in the, in this jello. And then yeah, like, they're both this, kind of variations on an ambrosia there's a, salad. There's a sour, that. there's yeah. this sour cream layer that my mom puts in and yeah, it's like super good and I could eat it anytime. And I don't know. You just, you, you, your description. The first time mom, you see that jello, it's weird, but you eat it and it's very good. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. That, so there's a, that's a good good job, Kevin. I was saying your description really killed it. Okay, pumpkin pie was the last one. I made you guys pick a type of pie because I want. Um, I have very strong opinions about the different kinds of pies. You can ask me about this in Discord if you want. Uh, my favorite. I think we uh, so all do. Pumpkin pie, I think, is um. So if I had to describe pumpkin pie, it's that it's utter garbage that you only eat because you want to eat whipped cream. So oh my gosh. Uh, I want to pick so I want to pick uh, a movie that I want to pick a movie that is utter garbage except for I want to see a very committed acting performance from Jake Gyllenhaal playing a asexual man named Morph and that's so I picked Velvet <laughs> Velvet Buzzsaw um because it is the best part of this movie that that um or he's like maybe he's like pansexual I don't know maybe he's bisexual maybe I don't know I don't remember exactly he's he's uh, he's, his name is Morph though. I can tell you that I'm pretty, I'm like 99% sure of that part. I, I remembered correctly. Let me, yeah. So anyway, Best protagonist <laughs> name ever. uh, yeah, Velvet Buzzsaw. Uh, I was so excited for this movie to come out cause I love Nightcrawler and I like think Dan Gilroy is pretty solid, but this movie just, um, Half this movie. Baked. Yeah. Okay. He was bisexual. I looked it up. Okay. It, and it's so bad. It's this movie is so bad but jake gyllenhaal is so committed and he's so good he's metrosexual uh and 
and there's like a lot of good acting performances in this movie. Tony Collette's in this movie. Like it's, it should be good, but it's not. Okay. And he, <laughs> it's really, really bad. Uh, someone gets killed by a tattoo at the end of the movie. Spoiler. Gotcha. Spoiler. Uh, all right, Eric, <laughs> go, go ahead. Okay. I said, I said, oh my gosh, during your description, because I also thought, okay, pumpkin pie, this is something that <laughs> I don't care about that. I'm like, I either want all the whipped cream or all the cool whip. I don't care. It's trash upon trash. So what is something <laughs> that is, uh, you know, basically the movie version of that? Well, it's one of my favorite things. I love terrible movies that are just terrible. And so what's the best terrible movie? Why the room? <laughs> I like the part where the, the room pie turned into a vampire and flew away in his Mercedes. <laughs> There was like a recently there was like an anniversary for the room. I don't know if it was 25th or 30th or whatever, but I, I tried to watch the room. It's timeless. I tried to watch the room by myself for some reason. No, what? Oh man. I was going to say, this is the worst. I I was like, last time I watched it, I was like, this movie was really funny. Last time I watched it, I'm going to like this. I watched it and I was like, holy smokes, this is so bad. And so I just put on, I just put on the disaster artist instead, which was much better. (laughs) It's so painful and so funny, but it's so bad. It's hard to watch in one sitting. Like when the minute you stop laughing, turn it off. You're my favorite customer, Eric. Uh Ah, you're my favorite. Goodbye, doggy. Oh my gosh. Oh, (laughs) hi, Mark. Uh, Okay. Anyway, go ahead, Kevin. Close this up strong here. Okay. So pumpkin pie. I had to think of something that I think is good, but not great. Um, Something that uh, I wouldn't make the effort in order to put in my life, but a lot of people around me make the effort in order to put in my life. And so I went with a delightful 80s romp, The Goonies. Um, which is a movie I much like the back edge crust of pumpkin pie. It is a movie I would like to cut things out of in order to enjoy just the parts that I like. Um, and it's a movie that I will never choose to put on, but if around and available, I will partake in um, and enjoy it. All right, let's make everyone mad since we just slagged on pumpkin pie. Let's tell everyone our favorite kinds of pies. Kevin, what's your favorite pie? Oh, man, I am a sucker for any well-done berry pie of any variety, but my favorite is lemon. All right. Uh, Eric, how about you? Uh, I'm going to stick with Thanksgiving because I could go on and on about pies. At Thanksgiving, because I'm a trash monster, I want pecan pie or a nice pecan pie. Yeah, I'm a, so there's three pies I could pick here. Uh, apple, uh, apple, pecan, but I'm going to go the, the, the third one. I'm going to go with the, the old chess pie. Uh, all right, so uh, for Eric, for Kevin, we will see you guys uh, next week. Go Hawks.